0: Hey friends, this is Pastor Rachel from The Gathering Place, Santo Cristiano, in Liberal Kansas, and I am so glad you are here with us today. Today's teaching is from our Sunday service at The Gathering, where we meet up for a time of learning and fellowship in community. You're welcome to join us every Sunday. We're at The Gathering Place, Santo Cristiano, 619 West 8th Street, right here in Liberal Kansas, doors open at 1030 a.m. In the meantime, enjoy today's podcast. You are sure to be blessed. Now, I want us to understand something. We're going to get into something uh, about the Trinity, and we're going to see that right away. Now, I know I've explained the Trinity to you guys before, but just because I want you guys to be always in the forefront of your mind reminded of what the Trinity is. So why is it important that we know this? The reason that it's important for us to know about the Trinity, first of all, because it's a core belief. It's what we believe. And so we've been convicted by the Holy Spirit to understand what the teachings are of the scripture. And and, and that's the reason that you can't get to the scripture and you can't just get there by your own means. You don't just sit there and try to read this and try to understand it with with your own being because that's where, that's how cults form, really. Because you put your own interpretation in all of that. You need the uh, enlightening of the Holy Spirit to be able to know what that is. So who is the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Who's the Holy Spirit? God. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is our creator. God the Son is who? Jesus. Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, he is for us. We just talked about God the Father, how he loved us so much that he gave his only son, God God the Son, God Jesus who's with us. He gave the, whole, the, the son so that he could come walk with us, walk before us, so that he could leave examples for us. He came and left his ministry and he, uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, performed his ministry of three years. He came and made disciples. He was Jesus, born of a woman, 100% flesh and 100% God. And then we get to God, the Holy Spirit. But the Bible, what we're going to talk about today talks about how he's telling his disciples, I've got to go guys. And they're overcome with grief. But then God, he said, if I don't go, I can't send you the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to learn about the Holy Spirit in just a minute. So we got a lot to go through. So let's get, let's get cracking. All right. So being convinced may lead to a decision, but Often without real belief, being convicted is much deeper. Conviction moves us from action for action's sake to deep belief, which becomes a core value for life. Humans may convince us that the claims of the gospel are true, but only the Holy Spirit of God can convict us that the claims of God's gracious message are worthy of building our lives on. Only the Spirit can convict us to embrace the wonderful salvation of Jesus as a core value for our lives and eternity. Only God's Spirit can embolden followers of Jesus to be faithful to their gospel task in the face of opposition. Thankfully, God sent His Spirit into the world to convict humans, to recognize their need. Embrace Jesus as the one who can meet our deepest need and to be faithful to the responsibility as witnesses, which he assigned. And so let's go to the scripture and we're going to read chapter 15, verse 26 and verse 27. And then we're going to go on to what we have. So, 26 and 27, the Bible says, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, says, when the counselor comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who keeps going out from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. And you testify too, because you have been with me from the outset. When the counselor comes, whom I will send you from the Father. Who are we talking about? My Bible says this, and it's very interesting. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, the messianic life, which that is the life of Jesus, is lived by attentiveness to the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of truth. To guide believers into the truth and announce the events of the future. Yeshua virtually pre-authenticates the New Testament, which New Testament, which the disciples will write through the Ruach HaKodesh. Now, I want us to understand something very important. Before we make these introductions, it seems like that's what Jesus is doing in these moments. He's saying when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the father, That's who the Holy Spirit is, and he's making these introductions to them. This is who he is. Now, is that to say that the Ruach HaKodesh, or the Holy Spirit, had not already been here? No, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of truth. Remember in the very beginning when we talked about creation, how it hovered over the earth? The spirit of truth, the spirit of God. And this is exactly the way it is explained here in in my Bible today. It says, but this has happened. Oh, sorry. When the counselor comes, whom I will send you from the father, the spirit of truth, who keeps going out from the father. So what is this? This is like a breath of life, right? What happened whenever God came and he breathed what into Adam? breath of life. So it's something that is continual. It's like God's actual breath coming out from him continually. And that is what the Holy Spirit is how beautiful, right? Whenever we look at it in that concept. So Jesus making introductions here saying that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. It has always been, but now there's going to be a different element to it. So the spirit of God hovered, the spirit of God was in different places. It sometimes would would come over people and they would prophesy when they weren't prophets. And that was the Holy Spirit coming over them. That was God's breath coming over them. And there was different times in the old Testament, which we can see, That the Holy Spirit showed up. But it had not ever indwelt in people. I don't know if that's a word. I made it up right now. It had never been inside people to reside there. Well, I want us to know something. The Holy Spirit, once Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he said, I have to go. See, because Jesus was God with us, remember? So he walked and he talked and he ate and he sat and he drank and he, and he spoke with people and he ministered to people and he did those side by side. But he said, now I'm leaving, but I have to go. And the, and the disciples were sad about it and they were just like, well, like what's going to happen now? He said, I'm going to send you the counselor, the helper. I'm going to send the breath of God that's going to indwell in you. So how do we have the Holy Spirit within us? Once we receive Jesus, once we receive the sacrifice and we believe it, he comes and indwells inside us. Okay, that is God in us through the Holy Spirit. Do we understand that this morning? Okay, so let's keep going. Um, So we see that he's sending, he said, that's, that's, that's how he begins with that, right? saying those words, he says, um, who keeps going out from the father, he will testify on my behalf. Now we're going to backtrack in just a minute, but I want us to just finish out that rest of that, that verse because he says he will testify on my behalf. So I want us to take this away. The Holy Spirit speaks about what? About God. He speaks of himself. He has speaks about God. The Holy Spirit, a lot of times we say, well, the Holy Spirit came over and I just, they, they, they prophesied over me. They said all these things about, okay, that's okay, because sometimes that will happen. But I want us to understand the Holy Spirit gives testimony. He gives witness. He gives, he gives the words about God, not about anybody else, not about whatever else is happening around us, but about God. The Bible says in a different scripture that he comes and shares with us what he hears in the heavenlies. In other words, between God, the father, God, the son, and what's happening over there in the heavenlies. And then he comes and speaks of those things in our lives. It's a little bit, a little bit hard to comprehend, but I want us to understand because I I don't want you to think anything different. So let's see, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to us, and Jesus had just finished explaining to his disciples that the world was going to hate him. That's what it says in chapter 15, verse 18. No doubt the disciples were concerned about the seemingly difficult prospect of being hated, but Jesus was concerned for them as well. In 14.1, he had encouraged them not to be troubled by what he was telling them. And then in, verse, in chapter 16.1, he explained that he had told them these things to keep them from stumbling, to help their troubled hearts and to embolden them in the face of hostility. And then Jesus promises in verse 26, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify about me. He will talk about God, right? But when he's referring to the spirit of truth, I want us to understand also the word counselor. I'm sorry, let's go back. I want us to understand the word counselor. A lot of times and in different verses, Versions of the Bible, some of us are going to see that it says comforter. Some of us are going to see that it says helper. And in different translations, it says different things. As I was preparing this morning and I was doing finishing touches, I was talking to John and I was like, I hate that. I said, and sometimes we're in like, I'm, I can open up different versions of the Bible. And then I'm like, I don't know which one is like the most closest to, right? The most accurate. But then the reason that I don't know that is because what I have to do is remember context, context, context. What does the scripture say? Okay. So it's telling me a counselor. So in the book of John it talks a lot about truth and I want us to think about this the book of John the book of John talks a lot about truth in the way uh, that he's telling you, this is the way that you have to live. I am the way, the truth, and the life that is found there. When he talks about being connected to the vine, why? Because that's where we're going to get our lifeline from. And so he talks a lot about truth in the book of John. And so that's the context clue that we have. So when we see the word counselor, how many of you guys have ever heard the word counselor for a lawyer? Yeah. How many of you guys have uh, heard a word counselor for maybe your counselor at school? So if we were to prepare, and let's just say right now, um, I was to ask you guys real quick, can we come up with a job description for a counselor? What would we say the job description would be for a counselor? Anybody? So let's say, here we go. Let's make it up. Let's just do it together. We're going to do this real quick because I'm going to take very long. This is going to be their the requirements, right? Anybody ever looked at a job description? So I want us to see a couple of things real quick. So I want us to think about a counselor. Um, In this regard, he's talking about a counselor that is like a lawyer. Um, And later on, we're going to hear John say that later in his, in his uh, books that he writes, he talks about, um, he talks about it being uh, like a lawyer and somebody who kind of advocates on our behalf. And, and he talks about how Jesus is that advocate, right? And that he advocates to the Father for us. And so um, it was a real neat practice. And if I can't find it, then we'll have to skip it. But, but it was telling me that I should do something with you guys today. All right. So. We're gonna work together to create a job description for an advocate, okay? Encourage members to think of people who have served as counselors, helpers, or advocates in their own lives. And based on your experiences, I want you guys to call out suggestions for experience required, as well as responsibilities of the role, okay? So one of them is gonna have to be experience and the other one is gonna be responsibilities. So, I was already making an actual. Experience and responsibilities of a counselor. Anybody, give me something. Experience. Uh, working. working with people. Somebody else? Tell me again. Being okay, having optimism, right? Trying to see the good in people with a good outlook. Optim- uh, anybody, one more, experience. Anybody? For an advocate. Somebody who's advocating on your behalf. Somebody who's. Um, that knows you? Yeah? Maybe somebody that asks you or. So, a, like a personable yes. person, okay? Now, let's go on to the other side. Responsibilities. What is going to be their responsibilities if they're a counselor, if they're an advocate for somebody? That's part of their responsibilities, okay? What else? To help you. Okay. And then, how are they going to help you? They're gonna speak for you. Speak for you. Anybody else? Advocate. Yeah, an advocate or somebody who's like a, a, a somebody who's advocating for you. I want to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> okay. Okay, so learning to not speak on your, on, you know, so maybe somebody who can be discerning, I'm going to say that. <laughs> One more, anybody else? Okay, to not be afraid to stand up, right? Okay, so when we look at these things, Remember, now that the scripture tells us something, it says that he is going to be sending a counselor. And as he starts to talk about that, that's exactly what I want you to keep in your mind. He said, I'm gonna send a counselor, someone to walk beside you, walk alongside you, to encourage you, to exhort you. A counselor might be one who came by another person's side to give help or to provide encouragement. It was used in the legal arena of John's day to speak of one who could come who would come alongside and help a person in a courtroom to speak on his behalf. Later in John's first epistle, the apostle used the term to describe Jesus himself as the one who serves as an advocate for our sins. Jesus described the Holy Spirit as the one I will send to you from the Father. God had revealed himself to us as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is the one with respect to his being, but three with respect to person. The Father, the Son, the Spirit together accomplish our salvation. The Father planned it, the Son accomplished it, and the Spirit applies it to our lives when we believe. That's the job of these three. And the Holy Spirit was going to come To work with us, to walk with us, to be hopeful and optimistic for us, to be a person because that's who he is. It's the person of the Holy Spirit with personable traits. Okay, we can speak to the Holy Spirit. We can hear the Holy Spirit, and then the responsibilities. It listens to us as it also listens to the Father, and it speaks on God's behalf to us, and it also speaks on our behalf to God. It is discerning in leading us to the place where we should go. You know, the Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit says, "You know what? There's something. All of a sudden, you feel something, and it's just a little bit of it's not right. I don't know what." it is, well, if you can explain it, you know what you should do? Go to the Father and say, Father, are you leading me in this direction? Father, are you are you trying to speak to me? A lot of times it's not going to hear, it's not going to sound like an audible voice. It's not going to hear like the sound of my voice right now. But you know what it's going to feel like? It's going to feel like something. It's going to be like something that you can hear in your spirit that you're not quite sure. And that's the reason that you have to ask for that discernment so that you can know between the voice of people the voice of yourself and the voice of the father and the Holy Spirit provides that for you you have to ask God give me discernment help me to see clearly I don't know about you but the older that I get I have to put on these readers and sometimes when I have them on I'm like wow that just looks so much better I mean I can just clearly see those words they like pop off the page And it's literally has made me want to read books more and more. Why? Because I can see them clearly and I'm like, yeah, this is great. And then after a minute, I'll take them off. If I've had them on for a little while, I'll take them off and everything's blurry. I can't see anything for a few seconds and I have to give my eyes a time to adjust. But how beautiful it is that whenever we ask the Holy Spirit to be part of our lives, it's like having those readers on all the time. Things just pop out. It's a lot clearer. You can see things with this magnificent, spiritual, righteous clarity. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And it's not afraid to stand up for us. It's not afraid to be there and see. you know what? I'm going to stand in the gap for you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. How amazing that that's who he is. And he talks about that. And I just want us to not, not forget it. Again, the, the three in one, we talk about that. The Father planned it. The Son accomplished it, and the Spirit applies it in our lives when we believe. Jesus' words thus highlight the close relationship to the Spirit of the Father and the Son. Jesus described the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. And in the upper room, Jesus had described himself as the truth. And so we see more than anything that that Spirit of truth, it makes sense that he proceeds from the Father because he is the Spirit of truth. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, and you have uh, the Bible says that then on that last part right there, we see that he says um, he will testify on on my behalf. Okay, and then in verse twenty seven, and you testify too because you have been with me from the onset. You have been with me from the beginning. He reminded them of that. Jesus' disciples had been with him everywhere during his public ministry. Those three years that they had, he had spent on earth, those guys had been in all places. They had had magnificent experiences with with jesus but they had also experienced being chased out of town they had experienced also being hated by the people and now they were going to be experiencing what jesus was experiencing was he was being chased and persecuted and then he was going to die on the cross and where were the disciples in that moment right they were like wait a minute that's you want us to follow you all the way there I mean, is there no other way Jesus himself said those words? But there wasn't. This was specifically a job for Jesus and it had to take place. But the disciples were going to have to pass through difficult times as well. That's the reason that it was so necessary for them to have that advocate on their behalf. Jesus' disciples had been with him everywhere during his ministry, and for over three years they had witnesses, teaching his miracles in his life. Of all human witnesses, they were most equipped to testify. While the word beginning is important in establishing the eternality, e- eternality of Jesus, it is most common used in John's gospel in referring to the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. That is how Jesus meant it in verse 27. Since they had walked with Jesus from day one and had witnessed all that he had done, they were, from a human perspective, uniquely qualified to testify about him. Then he promises that counselor, and he tells them, right, you guys have been with me. You're not only humanly qualified to speak about me, but now when the counselor comes, you'll be spiritually qualified to speak about me. As well. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's the conclusion of what it is today. And I'll, I'll end with that. The Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit comes and brings that to us into our lives. Now, just like the disciples, they were only not not only from a human perspective where they qualified to testify about Him, but through the indwelling of the Spirit, now they were spiritually qualified. And so a lot of times we think how did you get to be a pastor? How did you get to start teaching about the word? Is it because you study all the time? Is it because you went to seminary? Is it because you went to, you know, all of this educational classes? No. I had an experience this week and, and this lady, um, I was sharing a program that I have at work and she's, a, a, you know, one of our bosses per se, right? And she was like, how did you, um, how did you gain the experience to do the coaching that you're doing? What, what, like what qualifies you? Basically, that's what she was asking me. She was like, what qualifies you to do it? She said, do you have any training? And that took me back. I mean, in that moment that she asked me, I was like, what, how do I answer? I don't even know what to say. I finished the ninth grade, got my GED. How am I going to answer this question to her? And immediately I almost felt exposed. And I was like, no, I don't have any formal training. I don't have any certification to speak of. I can't give you something that says I am qualified to do this. But I've lived a long time. And I have had a lot of experiences. And in some ways in our lives, we took the long route. John and I took the scenic route we always like to tell people. And we've had a lot of different experiences in our lives. And by the grace of God, we have learned through those experiences. And we have used them, and God has allowed us to advance in different areas of our lives. So as I sat and I talked to her, and I was just like, no, I don't, I don't have any, any professional experience or certifications. But I have a lot of experience, and I love people. And I told John, I was like, I'm going to have to come up with a better bio and a better way of telling her all these things. But the truth is, that's what life is. It's experiences that we have. And you have to ask the Holy Spirit that when you pass through these experiences, allow me to see the good in this. Allow me to see the things that I should never do again. So how are you qualified to share with us about the, the gospel, Pastor Rachel? How are you qualified to do that? Because I get into his word. I study his word. But then I also ask the Holy Spirit to be with me, to talk with me, to help me, to guide me, to show me, to open my eyes, to be my proverbial readers so that I can see what's clearly in front of me. And that's what you can do as well. You know, we're all called to preach the gospel, every last one of us. And we don't all have to go to seminary, and we don't all have to go to a school of ministry, and we don't all have to do exceptional Educational things. But all of us have a Bible. And all of us can read the Word. And all of us can pay attention. And all of us can ask the Holy Spirit, who now indwells in us, to help us, to guide us, to direct us, to advocate for us. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. Why don't you take a stand with me this morning? And as we just pray and ask God, to help us. And let's just say, Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word. Thank you so much for giving us the ability to learn and to be a part of this congregation and of this learning group. And Father, as we come before you today, I just pray, Lord, that you um, allow us to see what you see, that you give us ears to hear what you want us to hear, And more than anything, Father, that you will be in our lives through your Holy Spirit so that we can gain clarity in all aspects of our life. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name, and I thank you so much for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen.